I'm delighted to say that I'm joined in studio by one house, one half even of a house is dead. Essentially. Yes. Yeah, it is. Mr. David House. You're trying to figure out the best way to, to word this. Yeah, it's a the, tough the, one, all right, just because it's not a house, you see. It's not. No, the a disti- house is, in fact, dead. The distinction was very clearly made oh, yeah, when absolutely. this Imro Awards came about, when it, it was, was first mooted in April, and I think the yes. gigs were in the end of June. You were like, no, this is not a house. Why, not why a house. the distinction? Um, Gary from the National Concert Hall, who gives out the award yeah. for, the, um, for the Trailblazer Award, he got in touch with me and said, Dave, we're going to give I Am The Greatest this year's award. And I said, that's fantastic. Great, great news. We, and we had no intention. We never would, as a band, ever uh, reform and go on, you know, a junket. The circuit. Like, no. So myself and Ferg, who are best mates, we've been friends ever, forever, basically. Yeah. And uh, he's the guitarist and I'm the singer. And we've just, we got together and said, look, we'll do it. So we just got uh, bass player, drummer and keyboard player. And A House Is Dead was born. Well... <laughs> I want to get into that. Why? Why was it always been the case that you would never reform? Because it was '97 that famous thing. Just don't Olympia. agree in it. You know, we broke up. We broke up for all the for the for the right reasons at the time. We broke up uh, financially. It wasn't viable. You right. know, like, we were both 31, 32, and uh, you know, you, at that stage in your life, you know, you're looking to your partner and you're looking towards you know moving on with your life. And if you don't have any financial income, you know, from what you're doing, it doesn't help. You know. So you kind of thought, well, we've five albums done. We've really done what we set out to do. And it's a legacy. And hopefully it will last the test of time. Because yeah. all our music was designed, hopefully, to not have a dated sound, you know. Now, some of the very early singles, you can tell the, the 1980s snare drum is, is in there. You the know hard, I mean? happy kind of stuff. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. But, you know, we did try and um, create a sound that would just last and always sound current. Like the Velvet Underground. I mean, you listen to their records, even, you know, they still sound like they could have been done... A month ago. There's a little bit of that. I was only listening, actually, before he came in, the Jimmy Fallon show had posted, David Byrne was on last night, and they, obviously he has several reworkings of how he's done his back catalogue with yeah. talking heads and solo stuff. And He did Road to Nowhere, and I was just I listened to it just purely as a song. Mm. It's very hard to date. You would never go, and I was thinking of the audience that would have been watching it last night, yeah. you would never date it as a song from 1985. No, Similarly, you would, you would listen to I'm the Greatest, and yeah. or you'd listen to No More Apologies, you wouldn't go, that's definitely... 96, it's definitely 91, whatever. You wouldn't date your music. There's no exactly. identifiers to go. That's what we really, yeah. really worked hard at was to have a sound that didn't have a date attached to it. You know what I mean? So Because it will last the test of time. Was that a hard thing to do at the time? Um, yeah, it is really. Yeah, because you have you've to got be, producers you aware. pushing on you. Yeah, you have to be aware of that you're not going for the current sounds and the yeah. current trends and you just stay true to yourself and always keep Lou Reed in mind You know when you're doing everything. <laughs> even <laughs> what, even yeah. the Lulu album with Metallica? What, well, okay, what would Lou do? You know, that's that was always the question. You know, what, what would Lou do here? <laughs> but that's like, because you're part of that generation of bands that would have been, I don't know, I, I hate using that term next to you too but there was there more, was a huge but there was more of, but there was more of an interest in the country there was and there was more of an interest in what the country could produce in terms yeah. of music and we were branded with that whole thing yeah. around the time of our debut album Merry Go Round it was always who's going to be the next U2 is it going to be us something happens Aslan all the bands of the day you know are they going to be the next U2 and of course none of us wanted to be No, we wanted to be famous we wanted to take over the world because that's every young person's job isn't it Yeah, it's to kick against the pricks and world domination I mean if you don't want Either of those things don't be in a band. I've always got the sense that's still there in you. Ah, well, I don't know. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not happy with the world and the way it's run and, yeah. you know, practically everyone in it. So I think that uh, if you are creating music, I find to put the two together is always far more interesting mm. than just singing love songs. I mean, love songs are very powerful and I've written many 
and I hope it can, will continue to, but you know, only one in three, are you with me? Yeah. The other two should be giving out about something. <laughs> but there seem to be, if you're going back to the album that you were performing back in June, and I presume it's going to form the basis of this gig in December as well in Vicar Street. Yes. Like, that was a very statement album. I don't think, you weren't leaning, I don't think the ratio is one in three on that record. I no. Think, I think this was very much a line in the sand, this it's, is who we are. Kind yeah, of. yeah, it was. And lyrically, again, it was... Looking, taking a look at the world around you and just dealing with the human condition and greed and, mm. you know, avarice generally is the kind of thing that I find tends to um, drive the world forward, you know, and, and I really hate that, you know, in a person. So, but it's there now it's, and it's, it's been there, I'm sure, throughout history, you know what I mean? Well, it's, it's a timely album to come back to now when you think of where we are as a world, if you want to yeah, go, maybe yeah. on it like. And I think, I mean, the young bands, and I think they're starting to now. I think they're start, like these newer bands that are coming up now. They're starting to kick against the bricks, which is great. Like, they're starting to have an attitude, and they're starting to say, "Look, the world is wrong. It's broken, and it needs fixing." And we're the new generation, and it's up to us, like you know, because our generation, I suppose, are largely responsible for the fact it is so broken. Mm. And uh, so it's good for them to do that, you know. You won't change the world by doing nothing, then. You won't change. You know what I mean? True. You know, just sitting and moaning about it, it's not going to do it. Well, it brings me to a question that I was always curious about about yourselves and about bands of that mid eighties, eighties generation, etc. Mm. And the reasons why, as you say, that you broke up. You said that the, you know, there essentially was no future. It wasn't a viable yeah. no, commodity. It wasn't. No. wasn't going to keep you going. No. If you were nineteen twenty today, if you were forming a house today, yeah. do you think? Certainly the attitude would be there and the notion in your head would be there. Yeah. Do you think you would actually get off the ground in the same way you did back then? Um, I think you probably would. I mean, if you look at Fontaine's DC and Murder Capital and all these cool bands of today, they're the same. They're very spirited young people and mm. they, they want to change the world and they want to give out about what's wrong in it. And, and that's great. And that's what they should be doing. And we would be one of those bands, I think. But the infrastructure would have been there more for you to be heard e- more easily. Oh yeah, back in, back back in our day, we we grew up, I think, in the last great, great time for music, you know, because there were record companies, you know, mm. and there were uh, publishing contracts, and like bands had money, you know, we could survive for all the ills that are associated with record companies. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, I, it's very I never easy to, give out about record companies. No. I don't because I mean they f- afforded us the luxury of making five albums, and they took a big hit yeah. on all of our albums. Because none of them were successful. And we managed to fool them five times. <laughs> now, different record companies, but you know... Uh, you got to do the grift elsewhere. couldn't go for a six. You never, you never hit the same shop twice. never hit the same No, no, never twice. do. No, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, no. I mean, we just move on to the next record company. I mean, I was dropped so many times like as the creative genius to Dave. Oh, he's really, really creative, but he's dropped. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want him anymore. I mean, but that's just the way to. But there'd always be another home, and that wasn't yeah, that did, wasn't just true of you, home, which is great. Yeah, that wasn't just true of you. That was true of a number of bands. Like it was. Could always, there was always somewhere else to go. There was always somewhere yeah. else that would. There wasn't um, as many bands. There wasn't, and it was yeah. a beautiful thing to be part of a band in those days because you were a band and you went into the recording studio with a producer, with an engineer, yeah. and an assistant, and a two-inch tape machine, <laughs> and you stood in a room with your band. And you performed your songs and they were recorded. And it was fantastic. And you'd come back and you'd listen to three or four different takes. You'd decide on which take you, you, you liked. You know what I mean? I've done both because I've made <clears throat> records at home. Yeah. And it's soul destroying. And it's you're the only person in control of the ship. Do you know what I mean? You're the only person. You make all the decisions about everything. You know what I mean? And I've done A Lone Walk, which is my third solo album. And I was just 
torture. I had to teach myself um, Pro Tools. And then if you, the more and more you get involved in Pro Tools, the more and more it just starts to consume you, you know? Yeah. I mean? And all your creative energies start to go into fucking plugins. You know what I mean? And like, you know, what can I download now? And reverbs and seconds. Oh, this, this other sec- package. You know yeah. what I mean? And you're just distortion this. Oh, you're so, where? What about the lyrics, Dave? Which is all I used to, con- you know, that's what I concentrated on. That's where all my creative energy went. Yeah. And I found that when I listened back to it then, that the lyrics had suffered as a result of that. Like, you know, so it's great just to get into a studio. And hopefully next year, because I have a load of songs written. I, was glad we, I, was I don't want to go that. on and we've no interest in going out and reforming and even as a house is dead, you know what I mean? You know, even as playing a house songs yeah. and just playing them for money and the crowd will come in. And then I don't, we don't want to do that. Never wanted to do that. You get locked in because I've been to those gigs whereby a band who hasn't been around for a while comes back around, does the gig, but also has that awkward moment of when now we want to play a couple of our newer songs. Mm. And unfortunately, as yeah. good as they may be, yeah, the, the, the reason they're there is the name of the marquee and the name of the marquee is because they know four, yeah. five, six songs, maybe two, three albums if you're lucky. Mm. And they don't... But they, they, I'm, tr- I'm like... I'm thinking back to the, like I remember hearing about, about this like uh, the, the the when Bowie did the Hammersmith Odeon back in the day. Mm. I think majority of the sets that he was playing on those final gigs as Ziggy were like 45 minutes of stuff that people had never heard before. Yeah, I'm wondering where that's gone in a listening public. Where has that sense of rocking up to a gig? Yeah, and decide like I don't know like what this band is going to play. I have enough trust in the person that's on stage that yeah. will deliver an hour's yeah. worth of entertainment. Yeah. Now there doesn't you seem have to be, be that. Brave. You have to be brave. Yeah. And you have to just trust the fans and they have to trust you and you know, and just go for it. Like, and now, mm. as I say, hopefully when we do come back, and if we do, because I mean, everything's, nothing's written in stone mm. with us. It's just, if we want to do it, we will do it. And, you know, and if the songs are good enough, then we'll feel strong enough to present them mm. and uh, hopefully people will like them. And you, you can't have a catalogue like a house and not tip into it. We will definitely play some of it. You know what I mean. Mm. And we'll, you know, we might play some rare B sides and stuff like that, and with uh, new material. But that's the only life that there is for a musician. Going back on the road, playing songs that you wrote twenty or thirty years ago. You know, I don't have any interest in doing that. Like, what's the point? You're not the now, same. Now, having person. said that, that's yeah. what we're doing now, right? <laughs> but we're only doing it for two shows. Twelfth of December. Twelfth <laughs> of December. <laughs> and we're only doing it for two shows. One is because we won the award, yeah. right? So, as I say, the National Concert Hall Imro rang us saying we're giving I am the greatest this year's award can you perform it for us? Right, mm. there you go. Right, and then we're doing this one because we felt that the venue itself wasn't just perfect for the album. So we play it in its entirety. We have it rehearsed. Are you with me? It's all yeah. there. It's in the bag. So we'll just go on stage, do it in Vicker Street, rock like gods. <laughs> <laughs> Leather trousers, <laughs> all, shirt open to Let the Let it all hang out. Yeah, like, you know, medallions. And, and try and actually, try and go back 30 years to what it used to be like and just have fun, basically. Yeah. And then, But once that's done, it's done. Like, I'm never doing it again. I have no interest in doing it again. That's that, it. That's it's a it's a brilliant way of looking at it. You got the family involved. Both of yourself and Fergal got the family involved. Yeah, last we did. Around. Yeah, and that was one of the highlights of that show. I mean, a lot of people still, well, yeah. not a lot of people, but you know, people that were at the show, they and they, I think the girls are going to do it again. Actually, oh, brilliant. I think it was yeah. one of those moments, and we said, look, I mean, they're keen to do it, so you know. That was going to. I was going to ask how much coercion was involved. There was quite a bit at the start. Now, in fairness, okay. but you know, my daughter, uh, she's very shy, you know. So, yeah. But I got her up to sing it, and she sang. I am afraid. Fair play, she did a great job. How old is she? I did back of vocals on it, like yeah. um, she was eighteen when she did it. Okay, so you know, she's nineteen now, though. Yeah, yeah. And so I did, and I think at the moment it was when you know when you get halfway through, I am afraid, and the lyrics start going about like about death, and, yeah. and um, you know, I'm gonna have to die one day, like you know, and so I'm singing it with my daughter. <laughs> like, so I suppose it's quite poignant, and the two of us 
together hitting that high note. Right? There was a lot of grown men kind of going, <laughs> pretty, <laughs> rubbing their eye. You know? A pretty charged thing to be tackling that kind of stuff on stage with your with your kid, like you know. Yeah, no, it is. But you know, like he who dares wins. You got to do it. It's, yeah, you know, it's music is an art form, and like you know, art form is there to be. You have to challenge it. Yeah. And you have to be honest with yourself and you have to just go for it like, and hope yeah. for the best. And if it works, it works, which it did on the night. Like, you know, it's the kind of thing that could have gone terribly wrong. It is. You know, it is. It could have gone, ooh, they're bringing on the girls. It's a bit sad. If you do it. It's a bit a, tragic, you know what I mean? It's a bit like, oh, look, they're trying, you know. Yeah. If you do it a certain way, I guess it comes across as a bit cloying and a bit it, awkward and it, just yeah, not. What, yeah. What's this got to do with anything, really, you know? Mm. But I think, thankfully, it worked. Mm. It didn't reach, it, it crossed over that. Like, and I think it went into something that. It was just a great moment on the show. It's got a three-minute standing ovation. Go away. Yeah, I never forget it. Like, yeah. It's really quite remarkable. That's the kind of thing that makes you want to do it again, though. Well, it is. To a degree, yeah. or at least try and search for that feeling I never again. thought I'd like to go back on stage again, you know, because I, I got so tired of the music business. And Did I you got, need to get off before? I got tired yeah. of, like, especially with the solo career, I got tired of, like, waiting to see if, if there's anyone going to be in the venue, you know. And you're there, and you've got a couple of hired, hired musicians with you, and... Um, you know, you're playing to 40 people and you're giving it your giving it your all and you're going, this is just going nowhere. So I'm just going to stop. Yeah. Because I was, it's soul destroying, to be honest. That brings me to another point I was making because we, we were talking about coming up at a certain time and you say, you essentially came up in a golden age. Yes, but, we did. That, that there is, there's no doubt about that. And there's, and there's many facets. The to last that. of the golden age. We, were just, we came in right on the tail end. Yeah, but there's many facets to that and, and a couple of them is that there was labels to help suck up the stuff from the ground and help it flower and go off into mm. the... But then there were only one or two major pollinators. So if you happen yeah. to catch on to somebody in Radio 1 or if you happen to catch up to yeah. Mr. Fanning yeah. or whomever, it was before anything in this entire building came mm. to be. Yeah. It's like that would spread you far and wide. It would. Yeah, it was a launching pad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Fanning sessions were huge. If you got that, like I remember getting our first play on radio and we were so excited. It was mm. just unreal. Just beside ourselves with joy. We were in the car and we, we knew what time the record was going to be played and then Fanning announced this Dublin band, new Dublin band, a house and they played our record and I just, it, that was it, that was the start of it. We were just hooked. Yeah. You just go, this is the way forward. <laughs> and that like, because whatever about, like you, like, you hear the Jane Lord books in in in, in around the radio business and you know, X-Men listeners, everybody's oh, yeah, I remember them. I tell you, you know, you know more than yeah, anybody yeah. else. But like essentially, in modern times, they are bollocks. Like, yeah. Because back in the day, you had actual uh, influence yeah. if you had one of these gigs like there was, yeah. there's a chance that you know a million people or a yeah. few hundred thousand people would be I listening. think possibly nowadays as well maybe I'm not sure but I mean, there's a sense of entitlement I think with um, newer bands and they kind of because I remember myself when I was on the radio and uh, they didn't get excited that you were playing the record you know it's just like you know you should be like, and, um, you know Cause as I said like I mean I remember it was the greatest privilege to hear yourself yeah. on the radio and it was just so exciting and it was the uh, impetus and the inspiration for t- to go on you can be that's heard. what it's all about. Like it's about getting people to hear your records and bumping into you in the street and going, "Oh, I heard you on the radio the other day. It sounded great." Like and all that kind of stuff. Even still, that's an, like I don't think bands necessarily have an appreciation of how being heard on the radio is still yeah a big thing. It's for, the greatest for thing ever. Yeah, I mean you can read about it in the press, and if you get a good press interview and an in-depth interview, and if the pre- if they find something about the band, and if you know if they reveal something new, well, then it's a very interesting read. But it's still just a read. Mm. You know, it's the radio is like you get an interview and you get to hear the music. That's all there is. Do you still come across new fans? Because, like, I remember. No, not really. No, 
new fans. Well, not new fans. Like people who've been introduced to the music at a later stage, because like you'll still get played here. Myself and Tom will play you. Yeah. Paul upstairs will play you. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll oh, yeah, the, the Fanning big, still the, plays. Fanning all that. Six, mu- six music oh. aren't you know averse to throwing a bit of a house in there too. No. Sue in the office around the corner yeah. from us came into me the other day and she's like, Richie, what's this song? And mm. she was referring to Endless Search. She's like, the violins. And there's pictures changing in the back. You know oh, the yeah, one. Yeah, You know yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah. And she was driving her husband mad. And Endless Search, pe- yeah, is a very famous song. It is. But people come yeah. across you in different ways at later stages. And that, Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's... As I said, it's like we... The whole idea of our existence was to create great music mm. and to have it last. And the fantastic thing about all of this is that it is, we were proven to be right in so far as that like, it has lasted. The elastic mm. quality of the house catalogue is still being talked about. Look, I'm here now. We're talking about NSR. We're talking about I Am The Greatest. This is like 20, 30 years after the event. And I'm hoping that in 30 years from now, I mean, I don't know where music's going to go, whether it's going to go underground for 20 years or when it's going to come back out again and it'll be reborn and all the older bands, we'll all be dead at the stage, right? And you never know. But I mean, seriously, all that music might be reborn in, in a new shape or form with, to a new audience, you know. Like you if, let it rest for 20 years, you know, let it go underground and then let it be reborn. And it finds it finds its way to strangest places. I remember, because this is, <clears throat> I'm remembering a time when albums weren't available and albums would be deleted mm. when that, you would have to find them in a second hand shop, you'd have to order them in. Yeah. I remember having to find a copy of uh, Runner Big Fat Merry Go Round. Yeah. Online, I found it on eBay. Got yeah. it sent from Redondo Beach in California. <laughs> for two dollars, right? For like, I'm not even going to reveal the price. Okay, I, it, was, I, it was it was less, wasn't it? No, it was actually it was more than that. I'm not going to get into it here in front of you. That would be embarrassing. But it's it's weird where these things can yeah. end up. I guess you know. Yeah. No, it is. And you know, there's an American band have done a, uh, a cover version of um, "Kick Me Again, Jesus." They're only young guys. But, uh, and we just discovered it online. They got in touch with us and said, "Oh, we love your song, Kick Me Again, Jesus.' Like these guys are from California, right?" And they're doing a cover version of, of Kick Me Again Jesus that we wrote in 1985. Like the publishing cost for that one. And, they? their, and their version's great. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, it's really good. Who is it's it? It's actually better than ours. Do you have the name? <laughs> I can't remember the name. They're very young American fans. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. They have a name, of course. But yeah. Wouldn't it be fantastic like if something like that happened? If some young band somewhere on the line took one of your songs and then brought that catalogue back to life. That's the pension. It could happen. That's the, that's your Christmas song. I mean, this band, I mean, I don't think their version is going to take off, but I mean, it shows you it's possible. It absolutely is. You know, so therefore, if it's possible, then maybe one day it will happen. There's somebody somebody out there who's got to call me blue on them, somebody in there has got to uh, exactly. always be grateful. Yeah, you know, because, to... you know, it's going to be, no one knows them, so you know what I mean? If someone does take them and, and, and cover them, they're nearly their own song in You're a way. You're remarkably self-deprecating about the music because I know there's people listening in tonight who will like hear you saying that nobody knows and we failed and we did this, we did that, we got dropped over and over again. Like you won't be playing to Vicar Street. We did get dropped. And I've discussed I know, this. I've discussed this on my did. press junkers, right? I, I know you why did. are a house the most the most well-known unsuccessful band in the world? And the reason is, and I've spent 20 years trying to figure this out. Like, and a lot of it is is me. A lot of it is mm. relies on my shoulders because all of the bands that we emulated or we tried to be like you know like the OEMs of the world yeah. and the New Orders and the Smiths if you take all those bands they all have fantastic front men you know what I mean and I just wasn't magnanimous I wasn't not. I wasn't mag- what's the word I'm looking for now outgoing outgoing and I, just, I wasn't the person I couldn't invent myself to be that kind of person I just wasn't interesting enough and I think that was true I and don't buy I that I think also the fact that we were really obstinate insofar as that we wouldn't um we wouldn't play the game, just no way. But then I found out that all the bands I loved, like the Smiths and Echo and the Bunnymen and R.E.M. and all these bands, they were all playing the game. I thought they weren't. I no, thought you see, they were. You, you see, I thought he. No, was, no, I thought no, they no. were all telling everybody to fuck off no, in the record companies. No, no, no. You see, Ian McCulloch on, on top all, of the pops being yeah. introduced by Janice Long, and you're like, no, they're definitely they're playing the game. They're playing the game, and yeah. they're in there, and they're working, and they're working the room, and they're working the record yeah. companies, and they're play- and we we thought, no, but this is in the spirit of punk and post punk and. 
surely you know to not play the game is where it's at like that's what that's what the cool bands are doing right but you've carried like so the music is carried despite all that and your your insistence that you weren't a front man that had that outgoing you weren't ebullient you weren't you know no, swinging dandelions over your head or whatever like yeah I wasn't a Michael Stipe I wasn't any of these guys you know but Michael I mean? Stipe wasn't Michael Stipe Michael Stipe like you look at Michael Stipe and like you can get into the etymology of it. like he was standing there with his hair over his, yeah. uh, his face yeah, I when suppose he, that, when yeah, he had yes, hair he had bless a beautiful him. voice you know <laughs> You have your own voice, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like I just, I just want you to be able to leave this room with a, a better and a more inflated sense of what Dave Case and I <laughs> well, What's the were. point? You know what I mean? I know, you know there's no point. Yeah, but I mean, I kind of just, I mean, I, I was beaten down by the industry. You know what I mean? So it's very hard to believe that. Like, you know what I mean? Because there was such a lack of interest. That's why the band had to break up. You know, and then my solo career was nothing short of like a disaster. I so, played a track off Jeans last night. Did you? I did. I played Peaceful. Oh, really? I did. I love Peaceful. that song. Yeah. Jesus. I haven't heard that in years. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and again, that album, that turns up in, in, in great polls as well. There's a great interesting poll going on at the moment go on on. one of these uh, websites. I think it's called The Irish Alternative 80s and 90s. Oh, it was, it's yeah. It's a yeah. website that yeah. uh, features, you know, all the bands of the 70s, 80s and 90s. Mm. So he's pitting all the bands against each other. It's like a World Cup kind of thing. Yeah, kind of a thing like that. Anyway. Yeah. And I Am The Greatest came up against Unforgettable Fire. And we won. Go bloody right as well. <laughs> Bloody right. <laughs> I know, it's just a bit of crack, but I mean, it's, it's, it's still beating you two, even though it's a bit of crack, it still uh, feels good at the same time. Ticking that box. <laughs> Take now that Bono, Bono. Yeah. Suck on that. Have that. <laughs> Any more surprises lined up for 12th of December? Even there may only been five or 600 votes. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're fact ours. It's my moment. Don't is, take it from me. That is a matter of record on the internet, and the internet has never, as we know, Dave, and has, never been has never lied. No, it hasn't. It has no, never it hasn't. been rigged. It's all true. No. <laughs> Any more surprises lined up for the 12th? That sounds like um, a good question you'd ask a Protestant. No, we do have, um, we have, yes, we're going to play, obviously, uh, I Am The Greatest. We're going yeah. to play, uh, open up the show with four tracks from all of the four other albums. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then on, we're going to go out with basically five or six tracks from On A Big Fat Merry-Go-Round. Hmm. Tracks, just like, so basically it's two albums is, is the gig. So wow. we thought it'd be nice just to, rather than, you know, do a best of and, it'd be nice just to pick two albums and, and concentrate on those. So we'll finish the gig with like um, songs that- Don't give everything away. Songs that we played, okay, yeah, songs that we played <laughs> practically every single gig. Yeah, okay. You know, The Likes of Violent Love. Yeah. My Little Lives. Yeah. Don't. I want to kill them. You're giving away <laughs> the farm. Call me blue. <laughs> Jesus. No, and we have taken the songs and we've done very different versions. Okay. Like we are playing Here Come the Good Times, but you won't recognise it because it's just, it's very different, you know. Good. That was our crossover song that we really shouldn't have prostituted ourselves on, but we did because we were under massive pressure to try and cross over at that stage. The record company were giving us a serious stick. They felt that we should be much bigger than we were. And they felt that Here Come The Good Times was the track that could cross us over. Well, there's not they were willing to put the money where their mouth is, big producers, all the money you could possibly spend. I mean, I think the track cost 20 grand for a single. You know what I mean? And that you, was and huge. I mean, we did I'm The Greatest for half that, like the whole album. That's insane. Yeah, it was. It was. Those decisions. And it got to 36 in the charts. Yeah. And then someone else came in and they beat us just by one one place. And we got shifted, short, the short shift. But anyway, we're doing a version of that, which is very different. No, it's very different. So, I mean, if you are coming along, um, you know, you'll be surprised. Is it the World Cup 2002 version? No, it's not. Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was asked to sing that. Yeah? Yeah, I said, no, go away that, will you? I don't have much credibility, but if I do this, I'll have none. <laughs> It was fine. It's just the fact that instead of for the change, because mm. it didn't scan that well, yeah. they had to say Ireland. I know. And it was just no. no There's not enough syllables no. there. And they wanted me to sing it. Said, no, I'm not having it. Go away. Yeah. I mean, I produced it. Listen, it may, it may go down as a catalogue of... Uh, and it quite, was one quite, of the weirdest experiences in my life. Seeing that rotten... Well, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, Dustin the turkey was singing on it. Are you with me? <laughs> and, 
and there was somebody from Westlife and Christy sang the yeah. lead vocal and it was a very strange experience as we said it could be worse it could have been like the England but I mean legend. it was a part of the football thing I was up for that like, that's like, fine like, a bit of crack if you get associated yeah. with all that that's gross yeah you know? yeah why not you, you, you add to the gaiety of nations but of course, one of the worst moments, just to, just to, to, of my life. Go on. <laughs> I know I'm only joking. I'm, of my career, musical career was I was in my local pub, uh, Ireland. It was the World Cup that here come the good times, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, uh, Robbie Keane scored that goal against Germany. Germany, yeah. Very yeah. last second, yeah. and I was going, and we, we had the song here come the good times, yeah. And he wasn't it literally the last play. It last, was. It was like almost the last kick of the game. Almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was just like, yay, and that pub er just erupted, and I erupted with it, and it was fantastic. And then, ole, 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 ole. I really thought that Here Come The Good Times was going to... I mean, considering that we were out, we're back in. Yeah. Here Come The Good Times was the song of that World Cup. It seemed fitting to play it. It's hard to get You can't get rid of it. You can't get rid of it. That's Barry Devlin's and Eamon Corr's pension, essentially. I know. And Larry's. But just at that moment in time, it just would have made my, my, my life at that stage. Just to be in the boat watching it, get the goal, that's we're back in, we're back in. Yoo-hoo! Here come the good times. No. That's a house in microcosm. It is. It is actually. kind of explains everything. When you think about it. When that goes, <laughs> yeah. eventually when that goes in the autobiography, that would be the chapter that everyone is like, oh, right. Uh, yeah. When you sow the seed all the way I have along. so many stories like that as well, regarding Go, a house. Like what? So, Go on. Well, I mean, it's the famous Endless Heart one, isn't it? Which is basically... 200 copies in the shops were signed to Satanta Records yeah. of Endless Art. We yeah. just decided we just put it out because it's a quirky song and yeah. that was the kind of thing we did. You know, we just said, we had Take It Easy, I mean, much more obvious singles, but we said, no, just to get Endless Art for the crack and see what happens. Got played on BBC Radio One more than any other song for a two week period. It like, played off the air. Like, it would have charted, it would have gone top 10 had we had the records in the shops, but did we have No, we didn't. But as a result of all of that play and, and the attention that we garnered from yeah. that, right, uh, we got signed to Parlophone. Parlophone said we go again with Endless Art we had 20,000 copies in the shops <laughs> and we couldn't get one radio play on Endless Art so that's just the way it goes timing is everything timing is absolutely everything yeah. 20,000 copies in the shops seriously 28 years on 19,000 came home <laughs> <laughs> you almost have a Paul Harkastle song in your own back outlook um, Dave it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in Best yeah, of luck great. with everything. Thanks for, thanks for having us. For uh, for December the twelfth in, in Vicar Street with uh, a house is dead. That's right, and Dun- I am the Betas in full Dun- for the last Dun- time, for the final time. Yeah. And I, I know you said that the appetite to go back out there with solo stuff is, you know, yeah. it's up and down, waxes and wanes, whatever. Yeah, you hope to hear the new, new stuff because I don't think this isn't just blowing smoke up your ass because you're sitting in front of me. Like uh, the power of as a songwriter hasn't gone, and no. the spark. Hasn't certainly hasn't gone. No, your enthusiasm to just even sit and talk about music is infectious. So I, you can't beat a good song. Mm. I mean, it's always been that way. It's just always been that way, and I genuinely believe that. So if I, I believe if I can write ten mm. really good songs, I'll definitely record them and put them out, and for no other reason, just because I can and I will and I should make it happen. I don't. I don't, I don't want to take over the world. I've no interest in doing that. It's just, I mean, I'm going to release them and hope that, uh, you know, some people like them and we can do a few gigs around them. Just make yourself a fine garden. You don't need to take over the world. Okay. Just, have a, nice, just have a nice floral arrangement. Yeah, well, who wants to take over the world anyway? It's a crappy world. <laughs>